Alrighty, hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast, the 25th of July, 2023. It is Tuesday, which means it's no longer Monday, which makes it slightly better. Although, whoever gets excited about a Tuesday? Huh? Anybody? Ever? Seriously, have you ever thought, oh, thank God it's Tuesday? Other than ironically, or like the statute of limitations ran out on something on Monday? Anyway, maybe it's getting a little too personal. I am Derek Hunter. I am your host. Appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend, especially everybody who supports the program at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com. Five bucks a month goes a long, long way. And the more people who help, the better off uh, everything is. And the more likely this show will continue in perpetuity. So thank you all for that. And please get on the ball over there. All right. We've got uh, a long way to go and a short time to get there on Eastbound just watch old bandit run i i want to shift gears and talk about abortion not you know not going to get more get all moral preachy about abortion i just want to talk again about how the media is reporting on the story because it's telling how the media reports on these stories it's wildly important to know to be able to spot how you're being lied to how you're being manipulated. That's how the left gets so much of what it, because you sit there and you look at this and you go, there's like 5% of the country who thinks, yeah, g- mutilating the genitals of 12 of year olds is a good idea. How is it that Democrats are out there vocally saying we should be able to do this and uh, parents have no business in education, et cetera, et cetera, and putting books like graphic novels, graphic being the operative part uh, of sex between adults and children in elementary school libraries and you go how is that even possible why would you do that and it's because people are being manipulated people are being lied to the new york times is one of the biggest perpetrators of this sort of fraud that's how they work the rest of the media follows suit of course New York Times has a story about abortion right there. It's a a leftist narrative. What was the leftist narrative? Republicans are going to start throwing women in jail for having abortions. They're all going to be forced to back alley. It says blah, 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 blah. You've heard it 10,000 times. New York Times headline. Nebraska teen who used pills to end pregnancy gets 90 days in jail. Oh. That's self-fulfilling prophecy. It's happening. It's happening. Except for if you read the story. Now, you got to read into the story. you got to read down into the story to get to it. The subheadline: Celeste Burgess, 19, and her mother, Jessica Burgess, 42, were charged last year after police obtained private Facebook messages. Again, you're still left with the impression of what? This girl performed an abortion on herself, a chemical abortion or a pill abortion or whatever they're called, abortion on herself. And those moralizing, awful Republicans are going after her and her mother. What kind of monster? Now, you read the story and you still get that impression for quite some time. A Nebraska teenager who used abortion pills to terminate her pregnancy was sentenced on Thursday to 90 days in jail 
after she pleaded guilty earlier this year to illegally concealing human remains. Huh? Now that second part there, the illegally concealing human remains part, is a very operative part of this story that the New York Times doesn't get to for quite some time. Because why? Because they want the Terminator pregnancy part to be the focus of the story. They want readers who don't read through paragraph 16 to think this poor 19-year-old's a political prisoner, those evil male Republican, white male Republican, worst type of male. Look. Continues, the teenager Celeste Burgess, 19, and her mother Jessica Burgess, 42, were charged last year after police obtained their private Facebook messages, which showed them discussing plans to end the pregnancy and, quote, burn the evidence, end quote. Prosecutors said the mother had ordered abortion pills online, had given them to her daughter in April of 2022 when Celeste Burgess was 17, and in the beginning of the third trimester of her pregnancy. The third trimester is pretty far along. You couldn't make up your mind in the first six months. Uh, but but you. The two then buried the fetal remains themselves, police said. Again, operative, but not really focused on yet. Jessica Burgess pleaded guilty in July to violating Nebraska's abortion law, furnishing false information to a law enforcement officer and removing or concealing human skeletal remains. She faces up to five years in prison at her sentencing on September 22nd, according to Joseph Smith, the top prosecutor in Madison County, Nebraska. The police investigation into Burgess began after the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade in June 2022. Again, right back to abortion. But the case gained greater attention after the court issued the ruling in Dobbs versus Jackson's Women Health Organization, fueling fears that women and those who help them could be prosecuted for abortions and that their private communications could be used against them. Oh, my goodness. It's almost like this whole thing was manufactured specifically for this event. At the time, Nebraska banned abortion after 20 weeks from conception. In May, Governor Jim Pillen, a Republican, signed a 12-week abortion ban into law. Greer Donnelly, an associate professor of law at the University of Pittsburgh School of Law, because why wouldn't you? It is a story that takes place entirely in the state of Nebraska. You've got to go to some left-winger in Pittsburgh, right? Don't you? I'd get in New York because it's the New York Times. I don't get Pittsburgh. Whatever. Said in an interview Thursday that the case was, quote, a harbinger of things to come, end quote, as a flurry of Republican-led states have enacted abortion restrictions and more women in those states have sought abortion pills as a workaround, quote, disconnected law professor. This case is really sad because people resort to things like this when they're really desperate, Donnelly said. And the thing that makes people really desperate is abortion bans, end quote. Nebraska Right to Life, an anti-abortion group, had commended prosecutors for enforcing Nebraska's 20-week law. The executive director, Sandy Danick, did not immediately respond to a request for comment on Thursday, but she said in an interview last year that accountability, blah, 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 doesn't really matter, her quote. I love it. She didn't respond in timely enough fashion because that meant you were ready to go to publish. We don't really want them in the story. Give them five minutes and then we'll just publish and say they didn't have enough time. Now it gets 
interesting because we're now in the teens in the number of paragraphs this story goes into. According to prosecutors, Celeste Burgess used abortion pills long after the 10 weeks permitted by the Food and Drug Administration. Now, the Food and Drug Administration is the federal government. The federal government currently is constituted, is run by Joseph Robinette Biden. This would mean that the Biden administration's guidelines under the FDA are that these pills are not allowed to be used after 10 weeks. And she was in her third trimester. That's long after 10 weeks if you're playing the home game. Court records indicate that she was almost 30 weeks pregnant when she terminated the pregnancy, past the 23 to 24 weeks generally accepted as the point of viability when a fetus would most likely be able to live outside the womb. Strike number two in this story that they waited until paragraph 16 to get to. The overwhelming majority of abortions in the United States happened in the first 13 weeks. Prosecutors did not. Now, here you go. Prosecutors did not charge Celeste Burgess under Nebraska's abortion law. Wait a second. That law professor who's completely disconnected from him said, this is what happens when people are desperate. Abortion bans. This is what happens. With, okay, so it didn't have anything to do with abortion bans. That's weird. It's almost like the New York Times doesn't read the New York Times. Like the reporter writing this story wrote, well, as soon as I write a paragraph, I'm on to the next paragraph. I couldn't tell you what the previous paragraph even said. I don't know. Prosecutors did not charge Celeste Burgess under Nebraska's abortion law. She pleaded guilty in May to removing or concealing human skeletal remains, a felony. Prosecutors agreed to drop two misdemeanor charges against her concealing a death and false reporting. Remember, this fetus was viable. 30 weeks, third trimester. She killed it. She knew she killed it. She didn't try to pretend and say, hey, I had a miscarriage. It's a horrible, horrible thing. I had a miscarriage. No. They buried, they tried to bury and burn the remains. Again, you would never know this if you didn't read past paragraph 16 in the story, which most people won't. You would never even suspect this if you only read the headline. In addition to 90 days in jail, she was sentenced to two years of probation. The county public's defender's office, which represented her, declined comment. Ms. Smith, or Mr. Smith, the prosecutor, said the sentence seems reasonable, and Celeste Burgess had no criminal history. She, I would say that she got off light. She killed somebody, and she's going to do 90 days. She'll probably do 30, to be honest with you. It's a painful case for everybody, he said. I'm glad it's over. Mr. Smith noted the case had not begun as an investigation into an illegal abortion. Again, why the hell is this story about abortion? In late April 2022, police in Norfolk, Nebraska, about 115 miles northwest of Omaha, began looking into concerns that a 17-year-old had given birth prematurely to a stillborn baby and that she and her mother had buried it, according to court documents. A detective subpoenaed medical records showing that the teenager had been pregnant with a due date of July 3rd. When he interviewed the Burgesses, they said the baby had been stillborn in a bathtub and they showed him where they they had buried it. You think, okay, but not done. The detective said he later learned that the woman had actually buried the remains and then dug them up. 
drove them north of town and buried them again. Finally, they moved the remains a third time because people who are not riddled with guilt do these sorts of things, right? People who aren't trying to hide something, people who aren't worried about something being discovered don't do these sorts of things, right? At some point, a man who helped them told the police that the woman had tried to burn the fetus. The remains were exhumed and showed signs of thermal injuries, the detective wrote, meaning that they probably dumped gasoline on it and set it on fire. When asked, when he asked the daughter for the exact date of the, preg the pregnancy ended, she consulted her Facebook messages. He obtained a warrant for all the correspondence that the mother and daughter had traded on Facebook Messenger. And that's how they found out all of this stuff. It wasn't a simple, this poor girl, this poor, sweet, sweet, nourishing girl. She just, she just wants to have an abortion. And those evil, evil white Republican men, they won't let her do it. And so she had to do this on her own. No. She was well past the time. She was well past time. And then they tried to conceal it because the fetus was viable. The baby was viable. The baby would have lived. They didn't want the baby to live. So they buried it, moved it, buried it again, moved it, buried it, moved it again, set it on fire, hoping for, that it'll never come up again. Well, somebody noticed. That's the story. You wouldn't know that from the reporting. You'd barely notice that from any of the reporting. The BBC reported on this. Why? What does this have to do with Britain? Nothing. But why not? Their headline, Nebraska teen jailed for illegal disposal of her aborted fetus. Eh, sort of semi-closer to the truth there in the headline. A little bit, but not much. And it's not harder. It's not hard to be more truthful than the New York Times in their garbage headline. They write, a U.S. teenager sentenced to 90 days in prison after taking abortion pills to end her pregnancy and disposing of the fetus with her mother's help. That's their opening paragraphs. A little bit more to that. Again, you read well down into the story, and then you start to get to some more information that I've already told you. It's just weird how this works. If you're wondering why it is the media is dying, it's because they deserve it. It's dying because they absolutely deserve it. I love this. this. is one of my favorite stories. So, of course, written up by the New York Times. New York Times loves to write about other outlets, especially ones on their level, not doing so well. But it's still funny and to engage in a little bit of schadenfreude every once in a while. The headline a decade ago, Jeff Bezos bought a newspaper. Now he's paying attention to it again. The subheadline, Amazon founder who purchased the Washington Post for $250 million in 2013 has taken a more active role in the paper's operations this year. Now, why? Because it's hemorrhaging money. Jeff Bezos also has a political agenda. He left his wife for his current girlfriend. I think it's a big step down, you ask me, but he left his wife for his current girlfriend. And she is a big-time left-winger. His ex-wife's a big-time left-winger, too. But I love this because you get down to one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh, eighth paragraph. Now, remember, this is one of the richest men in the world, depending on the days, the richest man in the world. So the Post is on pace to lose about $100 million in 2023, according to two people with knowledge 
of the company's finances. Two other people briefed on the situation said the company was expected to miss its forecasts for ad revenue this year. They spoke on condition of anonymity to discuss internal financial matters. The Post has struggled to increase the number of its paying customers since the 2020 election when its digital subscriptions peaked at 3 million. It now has around 2.5 million. It's because the Washington Post doesn't do journalism anymore. What's the point in getting a newspaper that doesn't do journalism? You got to love how the the New York Times is reveling in this. But when you have allegations against the president of the United States of taking bribes, fairly credible, you can try to refute them, you can call them whatever you want, and you don't bother to report on that. Why in the hell would anybody subscribe to your newspaper? Here's a little tip for everybody out there. I like to give this out occasionally just because if you, there are sometimes you go, oh, I want to read this story, but it's behind a paywall. I can't do it. Archive.is. There are plenty of websites like this, but the one I use is archive.is. You copy the web address, the URL. You paste that at archive.is and it gets you around. I haven't had a problem getting around any paywall and any news website. Keep, I mean, look, $100 million is nothing. It's probably what Jeff Bezos spends on razors to shave his Mr. Clean head. That's beside the point. Every little bit hurts. <laughs> and every little bit that hurts helps. So every little bit that hurts, it helps. People at the Washington Post say, Jeff Bezos, for a long time, he just kind of said, I don't care. I don't care. Now he's paying attention. Now he's involved. Now he's recognizing that hemorrhaging $100 million a year, no, nothing to shake a stick at. There will be people who will be fired from the Washington Post over the failures of this newspaper. They should have been fired a long time ago. They were insulated by Jeff Bezos being the richest man in the world. Now that he's involved, even though it's chump change to him, I don't think he likes losing a whole bunch of money. I don't think he likes the prestige property that he brought, bought because it was prestige being tarnished, being destroyed. So things are going to change maybe at the Washington Post. If I had to guess, I'd say they'd change for the worse. Jeff Bezos is a committed leftist, so he'll just hire new lefties and the same ideology, just in a different human form, doing the same crap isn't going to change anything. But still, at the end of the day, there'll probably be less people, fewer people employed as so-called journalists. And so once the post starts going on that road, other outlets will go down that road too. They'll see it as cover these things happen in clusters and maybe there'll be another purge in the annals of journalism. They deserve it. Really, all they got to do is their damn jobs, but that's just a bridge too far. So I don't normally enjoy schadenfreude, but every once in a while... It's so justified, you kind of have to just kick back and look at it and smile quietly to yourself. So I want to talk about the way that the border is being reported on now, because there is, Texas is in a, well, they're in a bit of a feud with the federal government, with the Biden administration, because they're doing what the Biden administration won't do. They're trying to protect their own borders. The Biden administration, I got to love this. Eric Adams, mayor of New York, no moss. We're, we're full. We can't handle any more illegals. Please, we're a sanctuary city. We'll always be a sanctuary city, but right now we just need a break from it. Well, what is a city without you know multi-billion dollar budgets and 
eight, eight million people. What are they supposed to do? Because you encourage people to come here. Well, no, sorry. You're going to have to choke on it, Mayor Adams. The state of Texas is sick of choking on it. And so they have decided to do some things to enforce their sovereignty. The Biden administration hates that. They demand obedience. The one thing the left demands complete and total obedience. That's it. And so they're suing the state. They're sending letters, sternly written letters. And CNN being the good dogs that they are. And this, you know, a lot of Jake Tapper audio recently, because like I say, Jake Tapper, Jake Tapper is not uniquely terrible, but pretty damn close because he has that thin veneer of uh, I'm a serious journalist. Nobody else at CNN kind of pretends to do that. He had Priscilla Alvarez on his show the other day. Now, Priscilla Alvarez, I had to look, I don't know who Priscilla Alvarez is. I don't watch CNN at all. But it's interesting that in her bio, Priscilla Alvarez lists her membership in the uh, National Hispanic Journalists Association or whatever it is. So where do you think so where do you think that's going to come from? Where do you think she's going to be on that one? On this issue? Because Democrats love identity politics. They reward people for identity politics. Used to be, it didn't matter. If you were personally involved in something, swear to God, look it up. If you were personally involved or personally impacted by something in the news, you weren't allowed to cover it. You might have been asked to comment on it, but you weren't allowed to cover it. Why? Because you had a dog in that hunt. You had a dog in that hunt. You had something there. You had a vested interest in it. Instead, nope, not anymore. Now they want you out there. Activism, journalism, there's no difference whatsoever. So Priscilla Alvarez and Jake Tapper are talking about that evil Governor Greg Abbott down in, in Texas and what he's doing. And I, I don't know that I can do it justice in the realm of mockery, but I will try. But first, let's just listen to these two clowns talk. Internationally, the Department of Justice has told the state of Texas it plans legal action against the use of these floating barriers in the Rio Grande River. In a letter to Governor Greg Abbott, prosecutors state that the floating barriers violate federal law and, and raise serious humanitarian concerns. This, of course, is separate from the Department of Justice looking into, quote, troubling reports from Ranger medics about treatment of migrants crossing the border, including orders to push migrants back into the Rio Grande River, plus disturbing instances such as an allegation that a 19-year-old woman was trapped in wire while having a miscarriage. See what? Unreported reports we can't verify and we don't know. I'm just going to repeat it. Again, with CNN suddenly very interested in reporting things they can't verify. Somebody got stuck. in the, Now, if you look at the barricades, it's not exactly razor wire, right? It's more like a series of buoys that are sort of kind of like a wall in the, in the water. They stick above the water, but they're under the water. I, I don't think it would be all that complicated to get through. But the implication there, without any without any evidence, Jake, is that this barricade somehow caught some illegal alien. Let's call it what it is. Not migrant, but coming to get a job and ready to go home, coming to live here forever. Some pregnant migrant caused a miscarriage. 
prevented, allegedly prevented an anchor baby. Now, this thing is one of those stories where you're like, if this story were real, it seems like it would be all over the place. But it's not. Why not? Is it not real? I don't know if it's not real. But if CNN, which would probably win some Pulitzers, if they were to find this woman, hasn't found this woman, then maybe this woman isn't findable because this woman doesn't exist. Maybe it's an old wives' tale right up there with Richard Gere and the gerbil or Rod Stewart. And I'll ask somebody old enough to remember that one. Things that spread around the world before the internet. Seems like if you wanted to find this person, you could find this person. But they didn't find this person. They didn't look for this person, which makes me think that this person doesn't exist. But that doesn't stop Jake Tapper from going, well, stories of a woman who was uh, trapped by these buoys that are not pointy. There's not sticky. There's nothing about them that makes you trapped by them. It's not a net. She somehow got trapped in them and had a miscarriage. How does that work? They're not designed to grab you and take you under. How would that work? Jake, there might be a little bit more to this story. If you're going to talk about FBI uh, or IRS whistleblowers who's unverified and people talking to the FBI, uh, a confidential human source is going, hey, you know what, this is unverified, then maybe your BS narrative-enforcing story would, I don't know, at least warn a parenthetical about how it's unverified. Just saying. So then you've got uh, Jake Tamper sitting there going, oh, the one, she just had the miscarriage. Right there in the water, she had a miscarriage. That's seems like, I don't know, that'd be news somewhere. But he's talking to Priscilla Alvarez. I went and I found her Twitter bio. It's a CNN White House reporter, formerly at The Atlantic. She is the uh, National Association of Hispanic Journalists, Washington, D.C. Student Outreach Committee Chair. So she's still on there. She's very much into the identity politics, which is what happens when you, uh, when you are a leftist. It is rewarded. Victimhood is a currency over there. It's like Bitcoin. Everybody wants to get in early. Everybody wants to get in a whole bunch of stuff. And all the coverage is about how horrible the country is. Awful, awful country. But we need to let in all these illegal aliens that are we're just going to be oppressed. Just going to be a, it's a horrible country, a racist. Against, but these people should be allowed to come in illegally. For my money, if you can't, if you get caught up in a uh, buoy wall, in a waist-deep river, the odds of you being able to contribute to the economy of the United States probably go down pretty significantly right there. If, you, if, you, if, that's, if this is a bridge too far, you're just like, oh, geez, what am I, how do I ever get past this? I'm stuck. I'm stu-. You're probably not going to... I mean, aside from the fact the odds are you're illiterate, not only in English, but in your own language. The education system of the country you're coming from is not particularly good. Not too many, you know, PhDs with uh, seed capital coming across the southern border ready to start up their small business to then take over the world, I don't think. It's a whole bunch of future Democrat babysitters and uh, basically subpar wage-depressing people coming across the southern border, which is why Democrats really, really love that. So the uh, discussion there of how horrible Texas is by daring, daring, daring to try to protect 
its own border, which is costing them a fortune thanks to the, I can't call it incompetence. The Biden administration is essentially playing Red Rover with the world, and they're calling everybody who wants to come over, over. And like, all you got to do is get to the border and then say, uh, political asylum, I'm, I'm oppressed, I'm scared, or whatever. And then you just pinky swear that you'll show up at a court date in the next five to seven years and abide by whatever decision is made in that court at that time. And you get to go. You get a free phone and you're sent on your way. Hell, they'll even pay to fly you to some places. Anyway, the discussion between Tapper and Alvarez continues. And Priscilla Alvarez joins me live in studio. Priscilla, um, what did the Justice Department state in this letter? Simply put, they didn't have authorization to put the floating barriers in the Rio Grande, and the Justice Department is citing a clause of the law to that effect. But the humanitarian concerns is important here, and they go on to say in the letter, I'm going to read this part to you, the state of Texas actions violate federal law, raise humanitarian concerns, present serious risks to public safety and the environment, and may interfere with the federal government's ability to carry out its official duties. This is an escalation in the feud between Texas Governor Greg Abbott and President Biden over the handling of the U.S.-Mexico border. Sources I've talked to said there were internal discussions for months within the Department of Homeland Security and the Justice Department to take some action against Texas, but they had never reached the point to do so. We're seeing that play out this week with that letter to Texas Governor Abbott just yesterday. Man, we need to get that Texas Governor Abbott. They don't have the ability to put a, a barricade in, in the river. They don't have that. It's, it's a threat to public safety. Whose safety? What safety? How many Texans, how many Americans are just going, you know what, I'm going to go out and swim into that murky Rio Grande just for the hell of it. This is where I'm doing my Ironman training. I don't know what's going on. Why are you going to put this bear? I got caught in the barricade. I'm stuck. Really? The barrel is bigger than you are. How do you get stuck on this? They don't care. They don't want anything that will protect the sovereignty of the United States of America. They will not tolerate anything that protects American citizens. They don't. They won't. They don't care. It's amazing watching it. And of course, if you notice, Alvarez, well, it's a horrible, it's a humanitarian crisis. You, well, there's a pretty simple way to avoid it. If you, if you are somehow uncoordinated enough to not be able to get off of the barricade, you cross a bridge, you could try to enter the country legally. You enter the country legally, you do not have to swim across the Rio Grande. There is no visa approval that says, all right, then you get to the southern border and take a 20-yard swim. And then right over there, we'll have the uh, the passport office, have your passport ready once you get out of there. There is nothing like that. Enter the country legally. Don't violate our country's laws. And you don't have to contend with anything. You don't. It's weird how that works. But Priscilla Alvarez can't be bothered with such things. She's not interested in such things in any way, shape, or form. Bizarre, isn't it? They continue. And we should also note, to your point, this is unrelated to the mistreatment of migrants. That is an ongoing assessment by the Justice Department. But there is a connection here because right, these course. are barriers yeah. that pose a potential drowning risk to migrants and that there are accounts of migrants getting stuck and getting hurt in these barriers. 
The White House saying in a statement just moments ago, it is cruel and it is dangerous. It is cruel and it is dangerous. We need to just basically dam up the Rio Grande so that nothing stands in the way of these sweet, sweet, nourishing illegal aliens who Democrats favor way over you. They're better than you. Who do you think you are? An American? What could, what, how do you help the Democrats? Ugh. Don't you love it? Again, if you're getting stuck in this thing, I'm not sure you're going to bring a whole lot to the table here, right? First of all, you can see it. Secondly, they're big barrels. You get around them, you can get over them. If you can't handle that, maybe take the hint. But nope. Nope, not at all. That's not how this world works anymore. The problem isn't the people coming in illegally. And there is nobody like, oh, I have a legitimate claim for asylum, and so I'm going to swim over the Rio Grande. No, you, you go through a, a port of entry, make your asylum claim. You make your asylum claim in the first safe country you come to. If you march 2,000 miles through a whole bunch of countries, I don't think you're making an asylum claim. You're making a, uh, you're making a play for citizenship eventually. They're not done. One more. How has the state of Texas responded to this? Well, in a tweet, the governor said that sovereign authority, it is their sovereign authority to defend our border. So they are staying firm on their position to put floating barriers in the river. Now, the Justice Department did give the state until Monday afternoon to respond to their letter. If they don't, they are prepared to take Texas to court over this issue. All right, Priscilla Alvarez. Uh Fascinating and depressing story. Yeah, so sad, Jake. I, I'm so sorry for your loss, Jake. What with whatever it is, it's a depressing. Why is it a depressing story? In what way is this a depressing story? Except for the fact that the country is being overrun by illegal aliens, and the president of the United States and the party in charge doesn't give a damn. They're encouraging it. That's depressing, but that's not what Jake Tapper means. It's not close to what Jake Tapper means. Something else. Jake Tapper has to mean something else. It's it's really sad that there's anything, anything whatsoever, preventing, even slowing down, hindering in any way, shape, or form. We should level mountains. We should pave the entire Rio Grande area so it's flat, so nobody has to burn a single extra calorie to get over here to this country. It's just sad. And what's sad is what passes for journalism over there at CNN. What's sad is that this is considered reporting. It's weird. You notice she had a whole lot of information, Priscilla Alvarez did, from the Biden administration. Sources in the Biden administration. We talked to the Department of Justice. We talked to this. We talked to that. We got this, that, and the other thing. Nothing says we, we reached out. There was not even a we reached out to Governor Abbott. Because they didn't reach out to Governor Abbott. Why would they reach out to Governor Abbott? Gross. Governor Abbott is in the wrong. Why would we talk to Governor Abbott? Why would we do journalism in any way, shape, or form? Why would we present both sides of an issue? That's not allowed anymore in journalism. Since we're talking about identity politics and the left and journalism, this story in Politico kind of cracked me up. Headline, Texas A&M president exits after black journalists hiring at campus unravels huh what's going on here racism no but there'll be lawsuits there'll be money 
Texas A&M University on Friday announced the resignation of its president in the fallout over a black journalist who said her celebrated hiring at one of the nation's largest campuses quickly unraveled due to pushback over her past work promoting diversity. The, the, the DEI, it should be, it's diversity, equity, inclusion. It should be diversity, inclusion, and equity, just so we can call it die. <clears throat> it used to be celebrate diversity and like not pay attention to it. Now it's obsessed about diversity, obsessed about the differences. President Catherine Banks said in a resignation letter that she was retiring immediately because, quote, negative press had become a distraction, end quote, at the nearly 70,000 student campus in College Station. Her departure after two years as president followed weeks of turmoil at Texas A&M, which only last month welcomed Professor Kathleen McElroy with great fanfare to to revive the school's journalism department. McElroy is a former New York Times editor and has overseen the journalism school at more liberal University of Texas at Austin campus. Oh, no. I do love it when the snake comes back and eats itself. But McElroy said soon after her hiring, which uh, included a June ceremony with balloons. Gotta love that detail. With balloons. She learned of emerging pushback because of her past work to improve diversity and inclusion in newsrooms, which means uh, quota hires and discrimination. Her exit came as Republicans, lawmakers across the U.S. are targeting diversity, equity, and inclusion programs on college campuses. That includes Texas, where Republican Governor Greg Abbott signed a bill in June that dismantles program offices at public colleges. The A&M system said in a statement that Banks told faculty leaders this week that she took responsibility for the flawed process. She's resigned. So what? No big deal. Who cares? Does it matter who the thing is? Well, McElroy, the professor, has not responded yet, but we'll hear from her in a second. The American Association of University Professors, President Irene Mulvey, criticized Texas A&M's handling of McElroy's hiring and called efforts against diversity, equity, and inclusion in higher education, quote, a misguided culture war. A misguided culture war. Quote, Texas A&M should be celebrating an exciting revival and expansion of its journalism program under the impeccably credentialed and experienced Dr. McElroy. Instead, Dr. McElroy has been forced into a harsh spotlight as Texas A&M has announced to academic community that they are more than willing to capitulate to inappropriate political interference in the governance of higher education. Look, you suckle the government teeth. You gotta, you gotta take into account what the cow says, right? This will surely result in chilled conditions for academic freedom in teaching and research, end quote. Oh, yeah, now try and mispronoun somebody or use somebody's real gender. Like, oh, that, that will have no bearing. You must comply. McElroy previously told the Texas Tribune that she has, quote, been, quote, been damaged by this entire process, end quote. And she believes that she was, quote, being judged by race, maybe gender. And I don't know if other folks would face the same bars or challenges, end quote. What you have right there is laying the groundwork for what? For a lawsuit, for a big set. It's not even really probably going to have to be fired. The lawsuit will likely just have to be threatened 
and then the university system will go, here's here's money. Please take some money. Here's a whole bunch of money. Here's more money than you would have earned in 10 lifetimes. Please take this money. People have a problem with what she's done, not what she is. But she doesn't want to talk about what she's done. She wants to deflect to what she is because that's the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. New York City is paying $13 million to a bunch of BLM Antifa rioters. Why? Because police were super mean to them. Apparently, police don't take it in the the very good spirits in which it was obviously meant when you throw Molotov cocktails at them. And they maybe, I don't know, wrestle you to the ground a little too hard when you're trying to set fire to them or blind them with green lasers or something like that. And of course, the Democrats that control New York City want to go, we'll just capitulate. Here, no, please, take our money. Please take our money. It's actually even more simple than that. This is part of the plan. There's no way on God's green earth, 1,300 people or whatever the number was, more than a 1,000 people have documented cases of police being super mean to them. It's just a way to get people paid. It's a way to launder money from government to the militant brown shirts of the Democratic Party. That's what this is. That's what all of these are. That's why city, because you sit there, these cities are been devastating. Like, well, we announced a settlement with protesters that we arrested. What do you mean a settlement? I mean, they're going to plead guilty to something? No, they're not going to plead guilty to anything. We're dropping the charges and we're giving them money. Oh, hell. I'd show up to one of these things if you, all you had to do was be there and you get a ton of money. You get paid for quote-unquote protesting. You don't have to prove anything. Hell, I'd be there. It's a money laundering scheme, ladies and gentlemen. They're using our debit cards to do it. Not surprising, just another reminder because this is how the left operates. The fund academia with our money and then academia funds them such a scam everything everything they do is wildly corrupt that's why they must be thrown out on their rear ends as quickly as possible and as profoundly and resoundingly as possible anyway that is it the alarm on my phone tells me i gotta go do something and i hope you do too makes the time go by that much quicker we'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again because the insanity never stops appreciate it see ya